Thank you, Ethan, Sarah, Evan, and of course, Miss Jen. Appreciate that. Jen, when is it going to be your last Sunday? When are you leaving? Next Sunday is your last Sunday. She goes, be gone for a month. We're going to miss you while you're gone. With you and Brianna gone, it's just, we're just going to close church and not even, not even have it. That's a joke. That's not going to happen, but just, we will miss her. By the way, we, you find Nehemiah in your Bible. Find the book of Nehemiah. Find that place, if you will. And I would like you to find Nehemiah chapter number 13. Nehemiah, find that place, if you will. Evening, sir. How are we doing? I'm better now that you're here. You know, I was getting worried. Nehemiah chapter number 13. By the way, we sang this song tonight. Uh, God leads us along. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to have a little trivia here. All right? Bible trivia. In the chorus, it said, God leads his dear children along, some through the waters, some through the floods, some through the fire, but all through the blood, some through great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night season and all day long. Each one of those is a biblical reference. All right? So here's your trivia questions. Just yell it out. There's no prize. The prize is knowing that you may know it. That's satisfaction enough. All right, it says, God leads his dear children along, some through the waters. The children of Israel. All right. What? Could be the Red Sea. Like the children of Israel through the Red Sea or possibly Noah. All right. Some through the flood. That would be a... That'd be definitely a Noah reference. Some through the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or like the one man said, your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. All right? All right, so uh, some through the fire. But all through the blood. I like that one. Some through great sorrow. But God gives a song. think? I would, now again, none of these are wrong, but I'm, I was thinking uh, Paul and, and, and Silas in prison, beaten, and what did they do? Admit They were singing praises to God. Now again, it could be uh, David had great sorrow and he yet sang praises to the God. And so again, in the night season, that's what, you know, through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. So there's a little trivia for you there to We're in the book of Nehemiah. We're finishing up. Lord willing, we're finished up tonight as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. And uh, Nehemiah, as we uh, close out this book, he has returned back to Israel. They have rebuilt the walls. They have got uh, the temple going under the re reconstruction of Ezra. And they're putting the country back together after being in captivity for over 70 years. They've returned. God has opened the door for them to come back. And they've rebuilt everything. They've uh, worked on a lot of uh, political things, getting the nation up and running. And uh, everything should be operating smoothly so the economy will work. And, and so it's really a powerful book on all that Nehemiah has done. And we've made our way these, these many, many months going through there. Now, in, in chapter number 13, as we... Uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, and it's been a few weeks since we've been in Nehemiah because of the uh, uh, holiday, Mother's Day, 
last week, and then before that, uh, Ethan was preaching on a Sunday evening. And so it's been a few weeks, but uh, he has four issues he deals with in this chapter. We looked at two of those issues previously. And what he talks about in the first part of the chapter, number 13, and we'll get to our message in a few minutes, but kind of a way of review tonight, is the, the congregation and, uh, and the fact that they were uh, not separated, not separated. And uh, the congregation, he brings them together and they begin to read the Word of God. And as they read the Word of God, they become convicted of their sin. Now, the Word of God is there to be a blessing to you. The Word of God is there to be an encouragement. But the Word of God is also there to instruct you on what you're doing wrong in your life. So that you can stop doing what's wrong and, and, and save yourself from heartache and disaster, but also to get the blessings of God. Because God does not bless sin. God will never bless sin. Obedience, my friends, uh, swings, uh, or, or the blessings of God and uh, swing on the hinges of obedience. We have to learn to be obedient to God and do what God tells us. And we learn how to do what God tells us from our daily reading of the Word of God. No Christian should deny himself the reading of the Word of God. And we must make much of the Word of God. And what they learn in this is, is the, the fact that there was sin going on, how uh, they had not separated themselves from the Ammonites and the Moabites. Now, to, to rehash just a little bit, it's not that God did not like the Ammonites and the Moabites, but they had the judgment of God upon them because of their sin to the nation of Israel. Now, the Ammonites and the Moabites were allowed in the country and in the city. What was not allowed is for them to set up a community and, and, to, and to remain as Ammonites and Moabites. Jerusalem was to be a city and a country dedicated to Almighty God. They can come in during the day when the gates open, sold their, sell their wares, and then when the gates were closing at night, they were to pack up and leave. But they couldn't have, like we have in our country, we have a, we have a, a Chinatown, we got little Italy's, and we got little India over there in Jersey City. All these little communes, and they're wonderful things. I enjoy visiting them, and I've eaten in all of those places, amen, and, and enjoyed it immensely. But Israel was different in the sense that they were to be separated. So they had the Moabites in there, and, and they had, were being punished because they would not meet the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness and they were denying them bread and water. And so God encouraged them. Then we see the second thing that was wrong is the temple itself, is that how they had taken out of the temple a, a, a storage room where they stored uh, the things that were necessary for not only sacrifices but for feeding and taking care of the priest. They cleaned those out and they allowed a, a godless man to have an apartment, so to speak, in that room. And, uh, and, and God is going to judge them for that. And we see a man by the name of Tobiah. Now, Tobiah, when you read the book of Nehemiah, is a man who caused great problems for the children of Israel. He was their enemy. He was constantly bringing lawsuits against them and stopping the construction projects, accusing them of all kinds of crimes and, and treason against the king. And, and this was a troublemaker. And in Nehemiah's absence... The leadership had slacked off and they had allowed a man like Tobiah to have a room in the temple area. And when Nehemiah shows up, he basically takes that guy and bounces him down the stairs, throws all of his furniture out and says, This place belongs to God. It does not belong to godless infidels who hate God and hate the Jewish people. We're not going to allow this man to be in the temple area. And so he deals with that issue. Which brings us to the third problem we're going to deal with tonight that Nehemiah has. 
And I'm a little reluctant to even preach this one because this is one of those topics when a preacher preaches on it, he can be accused uh, uh, of certain things. And 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 we're always careful with the topic of money. I don't want anybody to think that we're money hungry or greedy or anything around here. But when the Bible deals with a topic, we have to deal with it as well. And we'll deal with it as with, uh, biblically and in line with Scripture and see what was going on in Nehemiah's day and how these things are applicable for us as well. Remember, it's good to know Bible knowledge and know these Bible facts, but we also have to take these truths that we learn and how does this apply to my life? How can I use this in my life and, 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 and put this in everyday living? And, and in this case, we can see a man like Tobiah. We need to make sure that our lives are not open to where we allow sinful people in our lives who are going to influence us. It's one thing that we have to deal with everybody, and, and we love people, we want to help people, but it's another thing to let them take residence where they're going to influence us in the things that may take our heart away from Almighty God. Like Solomon had all those wives, and those wives led him away from serving the Lord and, and caused his downfall. Always be careful of anything that may take you away from Almighty God. Those are dangerous things. And a man like Tobiah is a dangerous thing to have hanging around in your life. And so we pick this story up tonight in verse number 10. He says in chapter 13, verse number 10, And I perceived that the portion of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. Then I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn, the new wine, and the oil unto the treasure. Let's pray. Father, bless the time, bless the word now as we look to it. And may scripture be clear and understanding. And may we have a heart to desire to follow it and know its truths. I thank you for those who are able to be here this evening. Bless those who watch through the internet. And help us, Lord, tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah. As he's looking, and sometimes some things maybe go unnoticed. We may have take a little while to figure out something. Some things are glaring, and we see them right away. And one thing that Nehemiah notices as he's around the temple area again, and he's looking, and he notices that the, the men who are supposed to be there working in the temple area and doing the temple work and all the jobs that they were assigned previously are not there. In fact, they are all out and they've become farmers and are working in the fields doing farm work. And he asks, well, why are these men not here? Why are these men out working in the fields and they're not doing their job here at the temple? And the obvious answer was because the people had failed to bring their tithes to the temple and so that the ministers and the singers in the temple had no income And so they had to leave the temple and get jobs and go back working in the fields, thus leaving the temple and the work of the temple not to be done because the people were not obedient. And this is one of those things that we see here that he he has to deal with. And he knows that phrase there in verse number 11, why is the house of God forsaken? Why is the house of God? Now, the temple was the the house of Almighty God. Jesus said that my Father's house to be what? A a place of prayer. And and it's a very special place that men were to be ministering there. There was jobs that these men had to do. Now, under the Old Testament laws and how things worked in the Old Testament, the people gave a tithe of not only of their income, but of their their fields, whatever they were growing. If they were growing uh, any type of 
wheat or barley or rye. They, they brought the, the first of that and a tenth of it down to the temple. They had, uh, if they were growing grapes or olives, and they, they brought that down. And they brought their animals. They br- All these things came down to the temple to make sure that the ministers, and it wasn't just one guy in the temple. This was a full-fledged project. Every day there was sacrifices. Every day there was a service. Every day there was something going on in the temple area. And they had these storehouses set up to house the products of the people that were brought down to the temple area. And we already learned that one of those warehouses had been cleaned out so Tobiah could have an apartment in it. And so the products were not in there, but this reprobate is now living in, the, in one of the warehouses. Or storehouses would be a more biblical terminology. And so he looks at it and says, now we've got a problem here because not only are the storehouses empty, and there's nothing in the storehouses, but the, the men, they're out working in the fields. They become farmers. They're shepherds. Why are they doing that? Well, we haven't been giving. We've been holding back on our tithes and not giving our tithes, and, and it's a dangerous thing. And in the New Testament, we see that, again, we don't have a storehouse. You don't, we don't bring your products down here to, to store things here. We don't have room for it. People ask me all the time, Pastor, we've got clothes over here. I have no room to store clothes to give them away. I wish we did. And, and we don't have a food pantry because we don't have room to store all those things. But we don't, this, the church is not a storehouse per se. And most times when people bring stuff down here, it's usually stuff that needs to be donated to Cali and not to the local church. It's like, this needs to be thrown out. And, and, and don't, give, don't give people your junk. If you're going to give something, give something good, by the way. Not some, something that is bad. And you understand, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say that you ought to have some... If you wouldn't want it given to you, <laughs> don't try to pass it off on somebody else. Now, sometimes in the New Testament, a, a pastor may have to work a job because a church may be small and struggling, and a pastor may have to do that. But oftentimes, a church may have plenty of money, but the people aren't, or, and, or people are not giving, thus leading a pastor to go out and to work a secular job. I understand that it's the, the, the responsibility of the church people to make sure that a pastor is taken care of. Now, again, I'm, 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 that's why I told you, I'm careful with this. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not hinting at anything. We are well taken care of. I'm saying this because in my years of experience, I have known a lot of preacher friends who have been starved and, 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 and just dealt horribly with by some congregations. And I want you to see a biblical principle that God lays out. Now, you, most of you all have a job or had a job, and in your job, you, you provide a service. And when you provide your service, at the end of the week, you expect that company to reimburse you for your service. One hand is washing the other. I've done this, now you take care of me. And we have, sometimes you may have a contract with, with a company and, or, or an agreement with a company. I, I worked years in the, in the trade business, and, and, and my boss, we didn't have a contract. We had a contract. If I showed up and worked, I got paid. That was the, that was the contract we had. I didn't show up. I didn't get paid. It, was a, it, it, it kept me showing up every day. It's like baseball players. You know, they, if they get injured, do they really care? They're, they're still getting a multi-gazillion dollars, and they can just sit home and, while they recover. It's a, it's a wonderful gig. Take your Bible, if you will, and look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 
We see Paul lay some things out here for us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Find that place if you will. Now again, Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is a church for all intent and purposes, probably one of the worst churches in the New Testament. It was a worldly church. It was committing sin. There was fornication going on. There was jealousy. There was uh, uh, lawsuits going on. There was, uh, just, it was just a mess. And Paul writes the book of 1 Corinthians to try to straighten out this church. That's why every chapter Paul is dealing with a, a different topic. I, I got this straight. Now, now let's, let's deal with this over here. Okay, now we got that. Let's deal with this over here. So he's trying to straighten this church out of all the problems that are going on. And the Apostle Paul, when he started these churches, he would go in there. He would work for a while, train the people, teach the people. It was an intense training program. And he would leave. And sometimes Timothy would stay behind. And Timothy would be there for another six months to a year. And it was Jim, Timothy's job to train one of the national men. To, to be the pastor, so that when Timothy leaves and goes after Paul, this national pastor has been trained, he's been taught, he's got his, his, his college education in one year's time to know, so that he could handle the local church. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, we see in verse number 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, Doth God take care for oxen? Paul starts using a farming terminology, and this is found in the Old Testament, where he said in the book of Deuteronomy, you don't muzzle the ox. In other words, when the, when the ox is doing its work in the field and, you're, and he's plowing, you don't put a muzzle on him and cover his mouth. You allow that ox to be able to feed while he's working in the field. This way the ox is being taken care of. He's working as well as he is being fed. You don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. So when the corn falls to the ground, that ox should be allowed to eat it. And if you muzzle that ox, you're doing a horrible thing in denying that ox the food that he needs. He continues in verse number 10. Or saith he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he, that hath, and he that threshes in hope should be partakers of his hope. What farmer does not eat of his crops? Every farmer not only sells his crops, but he keeps back a portion of that so that he can feed his family and maintain his family. It's simple common sense. And he continues in verse number 11, and the application is made. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, it is a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things. Now let me break that down for you. I think we all understand what it means. He's saying, I am a preacher. And I as a preacher have spent my time teaching you spiritual truths. I've given you hours of my life opening the word of God and explaining the scriptures to you. I have, I have uh, sown unto you spiritual things. And it's not a bad thing, and it's not wrong if I reap your carnal things. What does he mean, carnal things? Well, carnal means something that's of the world. And he's not talking about something bad or wicked. He's simply talking about money. If I feed you spiritually, it's not wrong for me to expect for you to give back to me your carnal, your, your money. I've fed you. 
and you in turn pay me. Who, doesn't, who goes to a restaurant and does not pay? Well, I had friends in high school, they like to do what they call dine and dash. I've never done dine and dash, but I had friends who dined and dashed. That's where you sit there, wipe your mouth, put the napkin down, and then run like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> and hopefully the waiter and the wait staff are not fast, and you take off. I know I won't go into it, but we did, there was taxi and dash. We got a taxi ride, we were all broke, and then when, as soon as the taxi driver pulled up, we would, as a teenager, we bolt out the car and run and leave that taxi driver. So I've never done dine and dash, but I have done taxi and dash. So that's my sin of my youth. But that man, he worked. I still feel guilty about that, by the way. I think about that poor guy. Man, we cheated that guy out of $13 back in 1979. I feel bad about that. I, I should find that guy and, 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 and give him 13 bucks. What? And with interest. You're going to help me with that, George? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, help paying that debt. Listen, I wasn't always a preacher, by the way, okay? Just so we all know. I, God saved me and God changed me, all right? But I'm just letting you know some sinful things. And that's, that's the worst thing I ever did in my life. But that man worked, and he expected to be compensated for what he did. And Paul's saying here, now listen... I have preached the Word of God. I have taught the Word of God. It's not wrong for the preacher to expect that he gets taken care of. And that you come by and you pay the preacher. Is what Paul is teaching the Corinthian church. Because obviously what has happened is the Corinthian church were used to the preacher doing something and not and just walking away. It's like not tipping. I've been with some people who don't like tipping. They, they, it's, they got a $50 meal and they put a dollar. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It's a dollar. No, you just... This lady worked hard. She took care of us. It's at least do 15% or 18%, but I do 20%, but just take care of this person. You expect them to take care of them. He continues, If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple? If they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar. Even so that they, notice verse number 14, this is very important. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Now let me explain verse 14 because some people misinterpret that. He's not saying that the preacher should practice what he preaches, although that's good. I need to practice what I preach and I, I do my dead level best. What I say from this pulpit, I live it. He's not saying that. He's saying here that they which uh, preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, they should be taken care of. They should be provided for by the gospel. Those who have received the gospel should be giving back. The minister has fed you, and if a minister is, is an honest man and a good man and, and has dutifully preached and taught the word of God and you sit there and you've been fed and you've learned, you have a responsibility as a Christian to make sure that you give back so that the preacher is taken care of. Is the preacher being compensated for the work that he did? And when the work he did this week. It's amazing sometimes. Pastor, can you go to the hospital and visit so? Pastor, can you go hear so and so? Pastor, can you visit so? The pastor, and the pastor does all these things and nobody thinks, well, is the pastor being taken care of? 
There were times years ago, I remember Ethan came home from the hospital. He, we just, Renee just had him, and, and somebody said, uh, Pastor, can you come to the city? My, my sister's dying tonight. She was 19 years old, dying of cancer. And I, and I was involved with the family. I knew about the whole situation, but this is the night that she's dying. And Pastor, you come to the hospital. And listen, I was flat broke. I didn't have a credit card. We didn't have Easy Pass back in 1999. There was none. I was dead broke. And I'm like, I need money. I called up Joyce at the time, who was the church treasurer. I said, is there any money laying around? Do we have any petty cash? I need, I need money to pay the tolls to get into New York City. I forget what the tolls were back then, but you know, maybe you need 20 bucks. I said, I don't have... And Joyce said, no, there's no church. I, I got, I'll give you some money, Pastor. Here. And so Joyce gave me $20, and I was able to drive across into the city. And the church was struggling back then. The church was really on hard times, but we were working as hard as we could to make sure it would go forward. And I uh, went to the hospital and, and made that visit that night and dealt with the family for hours there. And, and that girl uh, would, would pass away that evening. If you ever want to see a sad situation, you ever want to go to a... a, a uh, uh, anytime you feel sorry for yourself and think you got it bad, just go to the hospital in the children's ward where the children are dying of cancer. You, you'll, 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 you'll straighten out right away and, 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 and knock off your little pity party. When you see mothers and fathers sitting there with, with infants and four-year-olds and seven-year-olds as they're dying from cancer, uh, and, 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 and it's just a, it's a sad, sad, sad place. And you walk out and say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have it too bad. My back don't hurt too much right now. I'm, I'm sorry for complaining about that. And again, people at church were providing. People were doing their best, but it was a, we were struggling back then. Miss Naira's here. Miss Naira remembers those days and all that we went through. But we're trying to get things going. We don't have that problem today. We, God's been taken care of, and, and, and if somebody needed something in New York City, we can fly over there in a heartbeat. Because people have learned to give. People have learned to to provide and to take care of so that when the preacher needs to go visit somebody, when the preacher has to run here and do that, uh, who's paying? Has, does he have gas in the car? Does, he, does, he, does the preacher have enough money for tolls? Is the preacher? No, because you've taken care of it so that the preacher can go and do those things. Years ago, my boss said, we, work, we always worked in town. And my boss told me, he says, we're going to work up in Wayne. And uh, so he took us to the job in the afternoon, showed us the job, and he said, you guys just, in the morning, just head right up here and do the job. He goes, here's $20. Get yourself some lunch. There's a hamburger joint over here. Just go there and get a hamburger. Okay, not a problem. So we went up there. And, we, and uh, the next day, we come back after the following day. And my boss says, you got, where, you got any change from the hamburger? I'm like, you owe us money. He's like, what? I said, you owe us money. He sent us to a place called Fuddruckers. Anybody hear of Fuddruckers? Listen, we bought two hamburgers, two fries, and two Cokes. It was $25 back in 19. <laughs> when I gave the uh, we ordered that. And he goes, that would be $25. I'm like, Dave, Dave, you have five bucks. <laughs> I said, is this exp-? I never went back to Fuddruckers again in my life. You, listen, that was expensive back then. This is bad as going into five guys today. You get a five guys today, you're like, you take a mortgage loan? I can sign the note here for you for a hamburger. So my boss is like, well, how much does that cost you? I said, it's 25 bucks. Well, she goes, what did you get? I told him what we got. He's like, that's insane. I said, I know it's insane, but you owe us money. <laughs> but he was trying to provide for us that day so that we could be taken care of, and we did enjoy a nice hamburger, but it was no $25 hamburger. There's no such thing as a $25 hamburger. I don't care what that thing's made out of. I don't care what you're doing to it, but it's just, no. I've told him somebody had a 
$100 hamburger that had like gold dust in it. If you eat a gold dust hamburger, I want to see you after church. I'm going to straighten you out on some things, and we'll, we're going to talk and give you an offering envelope. Now, look, if you will, at Galatians chapter number 6. Galatians chapter number 6. By the way, Fuddruckers is no longer up there. It's, I think it's a shooting range. Some, some uh, ammo store took it over. And uh, so I told Evan that story. Now he wants to go to a find a Fuddruckers and go to one. So as soon as you're working, and uh, <laughs> when you work at Weldon, you can, <laughs> you can visit Fuddruckers. In Galatians chapter number 6, he says in, in verse number 6, Let him that is taught in the word... Communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now, what's he talking about here? If you've been taught, you are to communicate with the teacher. That does not mean after church, thank you, pastor. What Paul is talking about is finances. (laughs) He's saying, if you've been taught, make sure that you compensate the one who has taught you in all good things. He says, verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We like to take that verse, and we like to use it for a lot of things, but in the context of, the, of what he's talking about here, God is saying, you know, if you're going to be cheap with the preacher in the church, God's going to be cheap with you. You will sow, you will reap what you sow. And so be careful. He says, verse 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life Everlasting. So again, the church and, and people have a responsibility to the preacher. Now again, I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm yelling at you because I'm neglected. I'm not. I am saying this for all of our benefit that wherever you end up in life, you as a Christian ought to be thinking to yourself, what about the preacher? Is the preacher being taken care of? Is, is the man of God sufficiently, is his needs sufficiently being met? My mom used to like watch Little House on the Prairie. All right, my mom loved little, she loved Doc Baker. She thought he was the kindest soul on planet Earth, and, and if she could go back in time, she would marry Doc Baker. All right? And so and, and one episode of Little House on the Prairie, I'll never forget this. I'm sitting with my mom watching Little House on the Prairie, and Doc Baker was complaining because he was dead broke. Here he does all this doctoring work, goes around and visits all these people, and does all these things, births all these babies, and, and does all these things, and he's always getting paid in apples. And he opens his closet and all these apples come rolling out as everybody gives him, Doc Baker, a bushel of apples. Sometimes I think that's how people think the preacher ought to be. Just give the, you know, you know, give the preacher a bushel of apples. Or, you know, give the, you know, I got my old shoes. Give the preacher my old shoes. That's not how it operates. I knew a man who worked for a company one time, and for his Christmas bonus, the boss owned a farm, and their Christmas bonus that way is every employee got a bushel of apples and an 8 by 10 photograph of the boss. <laughs> now, now, how would you like that for a Christmas bonus? That's where you take those apples and you, and you throw them at that. Joe, there's some ideas for the staff at your company next year. Amen? Oh. Eight by ten picture of Joe, and that would be, be wonderful. <laughs> we'll hang it up here, Joe, on the wall. You know, My friend, just think about that. I know one guy, his boss, they weren't getting raises, they weren't getting bonuses, they weren't getting anything. And then they had a big giant Memorial Day, and the pastor, the, the, pastor the, 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 the owner of the company invited them all out to his house. He just built a brand new house, and his house was an exact replica of Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington. 
All those employees, he thought all those employees would be excited to see his new house. They almost burned the place to the ground. You've denied us money. You haven't paid us. You haven't compensated us just so you can build this place out here. I mean, it was like uh, the, the American Revolution all over again. This time, George Washington was on the receiving end. My friend, this operates in life. Make sure you take care of those who help take care of you. Every boss has a responsibility to make sure his employees are taken care of. And every church member has a responsibility to make sure that the pastor and those who may be on church staff are taken care of. Pastor, do you, how much money do you make a year, Pastor? Are you making enough? How much is your family? Are you surviving? Well, is, this, is this enough? There ought to be inquiries into those things. And, make sure, and, and by the way, that's good and bad. Make sure that the pastor isn't robbing the place as well as make sure the pastor isn't starving to death because most pastors keep their mouths shut and, and they're living by faith, trusting that God will continue to keep ravens sending food in every now and then to help them get them through the day. Look, if you will, at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy in your Bible. These are New Testament principles laid out for the local church and how the church is to provide and take care of the ministers who do the work of God. We have these men over here. We have over 31 missionaries that our church supports. We have a responsibility to make sure, as a church, we've agreed to give them a monthly uh, check to help them along with many other churches and help them. But what needs do they have? Are you guys okay? And by the way, we have one missionary, Paul Campu. He's a national pastor in northern India in the city of Imphal. And, and, the, and the city of Imphal has, is going through a great, great time. Look it up on the Internet, and you'll find it. Uh, the, 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 the Hindus have taken over and they're burning churches, killing people, it's, it's a, and they brought the army in. The army has given orders to, if you're out after curfew, to shoot on sight. It's a horrible situation in the city of Imphal over in India, northern India there. And he, I, he texted me yesterday, he sent me some videos uh, through Facebook, and uh, he's, uh, um, we're, not in the, we're not home, we're over here in, in, a, in a camp that the government set up, and and our home, as far as we know, has been looted. Our church has been burned and destroyed. He goes, uh, please pray for us. And we're going to do our best. We'll, God's blessed our missions program. We'll, I said, well, we'll get some money to you to help you out and make sure your family is taken care of. We'll do our best at our end to, to provide for you, to make sure that in this horrible situation, while you are now a refugee in your own country, that you are provided for. In 1 Timothy chapter number 5 and verse number 17, he says, let the elders that rule well, and the word elders can be the word pastor, be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Again, my friend, a man who works is worthy of getting paid for his job. The laborer is worthy of his reward. That works in all parts of life, as I already mentioned. But it also works in church. How hard does the pastor work? And the pastor is worthy to be compensated for the work he is doing spiritually. Now, my father was an interesting individual. My father was a blue-collar factory worker. And if you pushed a pencil, as he called it, for a living, he thought you were lazy and did nothing for a job, life. I'm sorry, that's, that was my father's mentality. It's not mine, but it was my father. That guy does nothing. He pushes a pencil all day. That's not work. Well, look, daddy uses his brain. Ah, he sits on his brain. He, no, no, nothing. Blah, 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 blah. Well, my friend, if a man is a blue-collar worker or a white-collar worker, if he's working hard, he, he deserves to be compensated for it. 
The laborer is worthy of his hire. You hire a kid to cut your grass. I remember we used to shovel snow when we were kids. And you get some of these people, we sh- this big giant property, here's 20 cents, kids. Like, 20 cents? This is 1976. 20 cents is still 20 cents back then. We're going to come back later on. And... Anyway. They're trying to nickel and... No, we broke our backs out here. And you're going to nickel and dime us? I used to work at the boys club down there. And we used to, back in 76. And, and the, the bingo nights. I'd, I'd serve coffee to the old people. And I'd bring them their coffee. They'd yell and scream at me. They're all nice and friendly. And, and, and I ordered my coffee light. What are the cows on strike back there? And they'd yell and scream at me. And, and, and then you give them their coffee. You give them their donut. And, and, and they give you, here, here's 20 cents. 20, a quarter. I'm like, that's my tip, a quarter? So I ain't sticking with this job. These people, something wrong with these people. Don't want to pay you for breaking your back all night and taking care of them. It discourages you almost from working because I'm not being paid for the, what I'm putting into this. How many pastors quit the pastorate because they can make more money out there in the world? Some of them are very smart men. They got, uh, in, whether it's a trade or in, in, in some other industry, they know something. I gave up that to take to the, the ministry because God called me here, but I'm starving to death. My family, my wife is ready to leave me because she's starving and, and, and embarrassed what we have, what we have to live. And I can tell you story after story after story of men who say, you know what, we're going, and they go back into the fields working in some office or some other because they got starved to death by the saints of God who read this book, read these verses, but somehow don't think it applies to them. Everybody else should be taken care of, but not me because I'm struggling. If you, if Jesus Christ gave you a dollar you owe Jesus Christ 10 cents. And you give Jesus Christ that 10 cents. You don't keep, uh, this is all I got. Well, you give Jesus the 10 cents, and maybe he'll give you two more dollars tomorrow. When you learn to be faithful with what little's been placed in your hand, then God maybe will put more in your hand so that you can learn to be faithful and give back to it. Jesus said it's more blessed to what? To give than it is to receive But all of us like to be on the receiving end. God bless moms who know what it's like to go without. How many times at supper uh, when there was only one piece of chicken left after we all devoured it, the six of us went through there like a... I was out with a dinner one man. The guy goes, Matt, he goes, did you grow up in a large family? I said, yes. He goes, I can tell. How is that? He goes, you eat very fast. I said, well, growing up with three brothers and two sisters, you had to eat real fast so that you can get to the seconds before your brothers got to them. So we... And then... But I often know sometimes mom didn't get an extra piece of chicken because she was busy giving it to us. And oftentimes a minister will go with that because he's busy making sure that the people are taken care of. And they're always taking instead of learning to give. And by the way, always let's all learn to live within our budget. Living in your budget is a good thing. I don't drive fancy cars because I live within my budget. I don't have a big house because I live within my budget. So again, he, these, these principles are here. And he, he lays it out. Again, look at verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Again, I'm not talking about me. You have a good pastor. You're in a good church somewhere. The pastor really labors. 
then you should say, you know what, the pastor needs to be taken care of. And, and by the way, don't worry about so much the missions program. You're, the church's number one priority is its pastor. Because that's your main missionary, is your pastor. Because you don't have the pastor there, the church won't go far. So no matter where you go, you have, is the pastor being taken care of? It's not an honor, by the way. It's not an honor. Say, our pastor doesn't take a salary. He works a job. Then the pastor can't minister to the Word of God like he should. He comes home. Listen, I've been there. I've worked a full-time job, come home, take care of my wife, my kids, and then try to sit down at my desk at 9 o'clock at night after worn out, only to find myself an hour later waking up saying, what in the world happened because I just passed out because I'm exhausted. And then try to have something good on Sunday morning for the people, but you don't have it because you're just worn out, exhausted because you didn't have time to put into the Word of God. Or to go visit, Pastor, you didn't come visit us like you said. I, I know I meant to get there, but I, I just, I got home from work late and, 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 and had to do this. And, I'm, I'm, and we've been there. Don't think it's an honor for you. You ought to say, Pastor, you know what? We're going to do everything we can, Pastor, wherever you are. Make sure, Pastor, you're taken care of and that you have time to minister to the Word of God. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they said their responsibility was prayer and to the Word of God. Prayer and to the Word of God. That's the job of the preacher. Is our preacher doing his, his responsibility that God's given him, which is prayer and the word of God. Pastor, you praying for me, Pastor? Pastor, you praying for me? Pa- uh, no, I can't pray for you because I'm too busy working. What an honest pastor would say, but most times, yes, I'm praying for you. Not a lot, but I'm praying for you. The pastor needs to be taken care of. The pastor needs to be provided for. And the church people need to make sure that the pastor is being provided for. And again, I have a friend who's a pastor. He says, I don't take a salary. Well, he, gets a, he has a pension, a benefit, but he's still the pastor. He should be taken care of. He's ministered spiritual things. He should get carnal things. That's how it works. Well, we can't buy a building if we pay the pastor. You won't have a building if you don't have a pastor. That's how it works. So we go back to Nehemiah. So Nehemiah is upset about this, and he contends with the people about this. And, and why is this going on? And he's going to, in verse number 11, why is the house of God forsaken? And he gets on to the people because they stopped giving. Now listen, if we remember, this is a very bad time in Israel economically. We may label it that they're going through a depression in this point in history in Israel. They're trying to get a country going again. It's been sitting empty for 70 years. They're trying to get it going again. And they're trying to get businesses up and running. And they're trying to get the farms up and running. And they're trying to get a country moving again. And there's, there's evil people like Tobiah who are fighting it and, 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 and doing everything they can to slow the economy down. These people are hurting. We saw where they, they were losing their lands because of uh, greedy mortgage owners who were corrupting the system and, 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 and taking people away and, and, and making indentured servants out of others. And they had to give their children as, as indentured slaves so they can maintain their property if they could. It's bad times. But even then, he says, you, you still got a responsibility. You still got a responsibility to take care of the house of God. The most important thing in any community. We move into a community, what do we look for? I'm checking out the schools to see how the schools are. Can I help you with something? The schools are all bad. They're public schools, they're all bad. 
They're all corrupt. They're all perverted. They're all godless. They're all socialists. They're all uh, run by communists. They're all sodomites and, and, uh, and, and evolutionists, and, and, and they hate God. Let me, that, let me, that's, just, that's the public schools in a nutshell. So don't be looking for the public school system. You're first, you move into a community, is there a good Bible-preaching church in this community? You know why any community is blessed? Because there's a good Bible-preaching church in that community. There's a little bit of light, there's a little bit of salt in that community that God sees and God blesses that. That's Bible. So don't be looking, well, how, is it Republicans, is it Democrats, who, who controls? Don't worry about that, they're all corrupt. Remember, there's the Republican Party and there's the Democrat Party, but they all belong to the cocktail party. And they're all bad. You belong to Jesus Christ. And you serve Him. And stop looking for the, which crowd is in charge. You need to look for, where's there a church? I'm moving this town, Pastor. Is there a church nearby? I don't know. I didn't look. What do you mean you didn't look? I, what, what, you, you're paying attention. I've been preaching this for years. You look for a church. Oh, I think so. You think so? I'm sure there's a church, but it could be some social club center that, that's more interested in social gospel than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Make sure there's a church there. Why is the house of God forsaken? Listen, this building, I was in a building that closed its doors. I was in this church as a kid. It was called Carney Union, and it closed its doors. And there came a day when we did not have a church to go to on Sunday because there was no more church. And a building sat empty. My friend, there is nothing sadder than to see a church empty. And by the way, I've seen churches across the country that have been turned into dress stores and coffee houses and ice cream stores. We were on vacation and we looked up ice cream. And, oh, I, this number one ice cream. We go there. It's an old church. I'm not going in there. They can keep their stinking ice cream. I'm not going to go into an old church building and buy ice cream. It's not what a church is for. Well, apparently it's a business. Then Get an old bar or something. I'll go into that one and, and, and give you an ice cream store. But I'm not going to a church. This should be preaching the word of God. There should be people in here singing and talking about Jesus Christ and lifting up and glorifying him, not asking for a double pistachio with a mint chocolate chip on the side. It's all about Christ and worshiping him. And the saddest thing to see a church close its doors or a church become one of these stinking baby warehouses where all we do is dump our kids off and, and let strangers take care of our kids. That's how most churches survive, by the way. They've turned into daycare centers. That's how they pay their bills. And by the way, when you forsake the Word of God, then you need to go to worldly devices in order to survive. So I've been there when there's no church. I'm thank God we've got a church here where boys and girls can come and hear the Word of God, and moms and dads can come, and, and everybody can come and hear the Word of God. You may not like what you hear from the Word of God, but you're going to hear the Word of God. And we say, thank God, a, the church doors are open on a Sunday night. And a Wednesday night, they're there. The, the, the building is open. And somebody's talking about Jesus Christ. And so he goes on, encouraging them, why is the house of God forsaken and then, he, verse 12, then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn, the new wine, and the oil under the treasury. And he gets, he gets people in charge of this. And so he, he has this program. He gathered everybody together, and, and he's putting all these things back together. And they're paying back what they owed. They're paying back what they owed. Can I help you with something? Church is not like the movies. What do you mean, preacher? You know, if you don't go to the movies... You don't have to pay them. 
You can drive past AMC and Clifton and not have to give them a dime. Church, on the other hand, just because you missed last Sunday, that, that 10 cents still belongs to Jesus. Just because you didn't show up doesn't mean Jesus doesn't have to get it. If Jesus was to hold Christians accountable for back ties, we'd be in serious trouble. Well, I didn't go last Sunday, so I don't have to pay. No, it's not paying. It's giving what doesn't belong to you in the first place. That tithe does not belong to you. It's God's. Now again, they begin to pray in verse 14. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the officers thereof. My friend, what a simple prayer. Remember me, O God. Nehemiah is concerned about a reward from God. He does not serve for the praise of men, but for the praise of God. I am here, and every Christian is here because we want to serve God. I'm not here saying, I better not preach that because the people won't like it. We don't take polls to see what people want. I get on my face, we read the Word of God, and here we are systematically going through the book on, on Sunday nights, and this is where we happen to be. This is what the, thus saith the Lord. I don't like it. This is, not, this is not, you know, golden corral, okay? You don't get to pick and choose what you want. You know, I'm going to go over here to the, to the roast beef, and I'm going to ignore the, the ham over there, and then, go over, and then stick a marshmallow under the chocolate fountain later on. By the way, if you ever saw that chocolate fountain when they stop it, and what's in the bottom of that tray, you, you really you, you reconsider <laughs> some things. You really, you really would. <laughs> and uh, being a plumber, you see a lot of things in kitchens that you just say, you know. By the way, a little side note. This is not preaching, but if you want to know what the kitchen looks like, you judge it by how they keep the restrooms. That's how it is. And being a plumber, working in both, I can tell you that's always panned out. How the bathrooms are, that's pretty much how the kitchen is going to look. So if you go into some bathroom that, well, if you want to build up your immune system and, 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 and then you stay there and you continue eating and you'll, you, can, you won't have to worry about COVID or anything else that comes down the pike. You've got a system that, that can withstand the Sherman tank. But I digress. Understand that God is letting us know in Nehemiah's prayer to God, and he's saying, God, now remember me. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, remember me. It's not selfish. If you're doing right, you ought to expect, God, God, help me out here. God, bless me for what I'm doing. I'm trying to do right. I'm exalting you. Help me out with this situation. That's not a, that's not a selfish prayer. If you're doing nothing, then you have no business asking God for anything. <laughs> that's how that works. So I don't have time for this. The, the fourth and final one It's too long. We don't want to go because it will take us too long, and I, want to, I don't want to delay. But again, the third thing he deals with is the fact that the people had stopped giving, and therefore the temple was forsaken. And we need to be careful that we as Christians don't forsake the local church today, or else the local church may have to close its doors. And again, the saddest thing is for a church to be empty and not being used for the purpose of Almighty God. That's the saddest sight you'll ever see. Let's stand together for prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for a man like Nehemiah, his boldness, his courage, his willingness to stand up for what was right, to the evil men in evil days, 
and to encourage the people to continue to do right, even though doing right was difficult. Help us, dear Lord, in our day and time, Lord, that we would be found faithful and that we would do exactly what you would have us to do. Bless now this time.